0: Almost gonna fall for Martinez. Anton so trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the ball.
1: It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan Miguel Almirón. Atlanta United in just
2: their second year of existence.
0: I'll oh, show sure. final J. M. Jones from Mothership and Dirty South. Soccer, sometimes. Chef Patrick and I just went in the game and Dirty South Soccer all the time is over there. The founder, Rob Ushry, is with us, Kurt Castle, on the intro there. And if you hear any ruckus in the background, that's just the five-stripe fine dog. She's doing good. Ignore her.
2: Team dog, team dog,
0: team <laughs> dog. We got a team uh, dog. Her name is Our Gabrielle. Uh, we <laughs> planned this poorly. Got her this weekend. Thought everything was going to be fine. Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> okay. That's not true at all. But uh, man, between that and everything else that's going on, Joe Patrick, Ushry, it's been, it's been a hell of a past, I don't know what, 96 hours. Guys, I was just telling you about this before we started
2: that I'm having a hard time focusing. Like I'm having a hard time keeping my focus on one like story that I'm editing or or like one task because there's so many things that are just popping up left and right. Joe Patrick. Are you yeah. hydrated? <laughs> I am. Yes. Oh, I'm hydrating. Oh, right wow, now, that's that's more
0: than that's more than most Atlanta United players can say. This is good. Okay, so you'll yeah. you'll be good. You'll be good. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And man, it, that's a whole nother story. We we're we <laughs> gonna have to talk about it. just like seeing that. As I'm like, I was literally writing like five thoughts this morning. And I was literally like, to the front office's credit, you know, they made the move when they you know when when they did when at the time. And then I, yeah, you see that uh, the coach is like. Not letting the players drink water like freaking Bear Bryant out there. It's like the junction boys. Junction boys, man. They yes. they would guzzle they, the the junction boys would put their mouths
0: on the on the showers and, and turn them on afterwards. Yeah, this is not at all what we meant by being MLS's SEC team. Not one <laughs> <I know. laughs> bit, Gabby. Good lord. Uh obviously it's gonna be a long one. Obviously, y'all are here because Gabriel Anza gone from atlanta united still waiting to get word on on what the terms of that departure actually are no idea if there's gonna be a buyout involved or anything like that but obviously uh, atlanta united moving on from gabriel einsey and moving on to is it rob valentino am i right in saying that that's right yeah rob Uh, valentino Guy has been at the club for a while, to my understanding, and is very, very well liked, to my understanding, which seems to be the exact opposite of what we have come to kind of understand about Gabrielle Einstein's tenure in Atlanta. About an eight-month, I think I counted, 212 days between hiring to firing for Gabrielle Einstein. It's the second firing for Atlanta United in the span of about 361 days, if we're keeping track here. It's uh, It's something. For sure. And then we're gonna have a whole big long show about it But may frankly, be obsolete, because the time we by the time we put this out, five more things may have come out just about the the training sessions alone. Uh, But as we learn more and more, and talk to folks around the team around the league, etc. We begin to see a picture. And this is the picture that's being handed to us. Keep that in mind. This is kind of just a one sided picture right now. But it is a very clear picture. Of a guy who did not treat people well within the organization, and at the very least was abrasive with nearly everyone in the organization, and the reasons for his firing seem to go well beyond the events of this week and the play on the field over the last thirteen games.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's it's, it's unbelievable to think about when you when you sit down and. Picture like, I was telling Joe earlier. You know, we we all woke up Thursday morning. um I know you know we were frustrated with the team, but I think most of us here were you know still in Heinz's corner, willing to give him a chance. And, you know, by Thursday evening, when all the Joseph stuff could come out, we're we're probably ready to pack his bags for him, and we didn't even know about all the extracurricular stuff that came out afterwards. So the way it all unfolded so quickly is just. I mean, I still can't even wrap my head around it. Honestly, it's just still kind of like a grieving process learning all these all the stuff we didn't know so it's still going to take some time but in the end i think obviously they made the right decision and that's the most important thing
2: and 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 speaking of stuff we didn't know i kind of want to just put this out there right off the top of this podcast just like i did on the the thoughts piece that i posted this morning which was rushed by the way i'm kind of sorry i didn't even really get to finish that because uh we started doing the scrums but um you know this podcast myself in particular i don't think anyone was like Advocating for Gabriel Heinze's hiring more than I was, like I'm not even going to like mention like anybody else that I'm associated with. Like I, I was fully in support of the hiring, and I'm also fully in support of the firing. Like I think it was the right thing to do, and I give the club a lot of credit for making that hire. If I knew now what I knew back then when I've advocated for the hiring, no way, like, you know, you, you would never want to bring in somebody who is such a huge personality clash, not just with the players, but again, like what you were saying, Sam, the, the relationships and, um, like just how, he, he, he didn't make anybody feel good apparently uh, in the club. And that even goes down to like the grounds crew and the, you know, just like the staffers, the kitchen staff, like these kinds of people are the, the, if anybody deserves like to feel good about the, like those are the people who should feel good about their jobs. And if a coaching staff is making people, you know, those, those types of workers feel bad, like that is just a non-starter. So um, obviously you, you know, I, I wouldn't knowing what I know now, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't advocate for Gabriel Heinze, but, um, you know, we didn't know that. And you would have thought that the (laughs) club when they went and made this hire would have, you know, done some due diligence. And I will like to give them to cut them some slack. You know, I can imagine that when you're hiring during COVID times, it's probably a lot harder to, you know, you don't get to spend as much time with somebody and judge them, but still you can call former contacts. And it sounds like if they would have done some of this due diligence that they would have understood the kind of figure that was coming into the club. And it sounds like, you know, based on what they were saying about the kind of manager they wanted to hire back when they were, uh, you know, in that process, um, that they probably wouldn't have liked a guy like Gabriel Heinze because they, they were, remember what they were saying last year where they were like, we want, they were talking about how they wanted a manager who was, um, you know, understanding of like the media uh, requirements of the role, you know, and how the, you know, obviously that differs from country to country. They wanted somebody who was kind of gonna be okay with that kind of thing. And Gabrielle Heinze clearly was was not uh, a fit in that regard. And it's just kind of surprising that they would have ended up hiring a guy who who was such a bad fit.
0: You kind of talk about doing the due diligence and everything like that. And if I remember right from Gabby's first introductory press conference, my understanding was that the offer was made. And he took some time to assess that. Mm -hmm. He took some time to assess that offer. And there were weeks, maybe even a couple months in between when that offer was kind of made. And he eventually came back and said, Okay, I've analyzed the situation. And now I understand that I'm going to take it, right. So there was time, there was plenty of time, really, if we go back to even the starting start of the coaching search to when he was actually hired to maybe find these things out, to maybe understand. and I think we're talking about me, you and Rob are all pretty culpable in this as far as saying, yeah, this is going to rule. Great work, right. Oh yeah, you know, when it was announced I couldn't have been happier. Absolutely. And on paper, and still, I think to some extent, even now, Gabriel Lindsay is probably a decent manager of football teams, right? To some extent, like think,
2: tactically, yeah, like yeah. I think he knows
0: what he's doing, yeah,, mm-hmm. but you know, we had no way to know that he was gonna just not be a person who <laughs> works well with others, <laughs>
1: which is yeah. something
0: you kind of like see on like a kindergarten report card, um you know, like doesn't work well with others. It's very, very strange to see an adult human in this kind of position, maybe obsessed so much or just not understand uh have the emotional intelligence to understand that he's affecting people negatively and things like that. It's very, very um, upsetting. And we kind of learned and really started to catch on to it. I think when everything comes down Thursday, when Gabby holds his press conference, right. Or maybe not holds it, but asked to forced to do media drag to do is once a week media appearance and says that Joseph Martinez is training alone. Right. He, he said, he also said he didn't want to make a statement through the media. But also, by the way, guys, are you ready? Are you ready? Joseph Martinez is training a load. And that's when we started to catch on that that something was up here.
2: Well, I I find it interesting that he said he didn't want to send a message through the media because through all of the stuff that we've learned, it's been really interesting that the media was not really aware of a lot of what was going on, you know, like a lot of like this mistreatment and the things that ended up getting him fired, were really things that the club, you know, employees at the club were experiencing. And we didn't really experience it that much, you know, like in in interviews, sure, like, it's awkward doing, uh, you know, zoom press conferences where you're requiring translations. And um, sure, he was probably a little cold, uh, at times, just like in his delivery, his style. um, But he was never like an over ass for lack of a better word, you know, which he apparently was to a lot of people in the club. So um, it's really interesting in that respect that like the media, I mean, maybe give him credit, like that the media never really got out in the media um, as bad as it was. But yeah, I mean, that was, that was, that was shocking news that morning. And I remember like, I put out a post real quick being like, Oh, like this happened. And I didn't even understand at that time, what the ramifications of that press conference and of those words really were going to be. And it's not like, you know, clearly there are other reasons why he's not the manager right now. It's not just down to this situation with Joseph Martinez, but I think that that really was kind of like, the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg that's sh- um, um, appearing outside, you know, out of the ocean, and there's like what ninety percent of it underneath or whatever. Like that really was the first glimpse that we had into how bad things were, and it just
0: unraveled so quickly after that. Yeah, anyone kind of saying that that wasn't the the straw that broke everything, right? Probably not being wholly truthful, if I had to guess, because it was such a big thing, and the fan base reacted so strongly to it and so negatively to it that. There's no way that didn't factor in, right? And once people kind of understood that, they went, okay, why is this problem happening? Are there other problems potentially causing it? And as people have dug further and further, we find out stuff like what Doug McIntyre reported today that players weren't getting water in preseason, right? And that's just bananas because that's Insane. like, that's the stuff that like my dad would tell me about, like, yeah, back in 1973 in North Carolina over in Gastonia. They wouldn't let us have water <laughs> and practice at a major week, you know? Yeah. So to, to understand that and to compare it to now, it's, it's actually shocking to a lot of extent, but we understood that he was a weirdo. We knew that. Oh yeah. hundred right? yeah, yeah, percent. Yeah, And to put more blame on us, I guess. I mean, I said multiple <laughs> times, like you want a weirdo. Sometimes. Yeah, right. You yeah. really do, yeah. but they, they can't be, antisocial and weird right you can be obsessive but you can't be antisocial and also be just flat out wrong like that because water is a good thing drink water (laughs) yeah like why do i have to say that and you wonder how much the front office kind of knew and that um but to kind of continue going through this timeline before we get to y'all's questions Joseph, of course, does not play on Saturday and the lineup comes out and once again, Cuba Torres is starting and everyone goes God damn it. Kubo yeah, starting might have been the straw that broke the camel. Which just back. hilarious because everyone <laughs> was everyone was done at that point. I was stunned he did it. <laughs> Knowing everything that had happened the past couple of days with everyone being frustrated that Joseph wasn't playing, for him to just stubbornly be like, alright folks, well, I know you're mad but here's Kubo again. <laughs> 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 Thought it was insane. I don't know if it was him just being stubborn and bald or if it was just him genuinely thinking Cubo is is the guy, which is a whole nother problem. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But Joseph Martinez chance start in the seventh minute. Joseph Martinez chance started at the end of the game after Lady Night lost one-nothing and everyone booed pretty loudly. It's the loudest boos I've ever heard yeah. throughout Mercedes-Benz Stadium for, especially considering that the crowd was maybe the smallest I've seen on a weekend game in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yeah, uh, especially for the number one team in the conference. Well,
2: last time I remember booze like that was Frank DeBoer's, uh, probably his first game. Like I think the first home game. It was the first home game after the MLS Cup, and they just played a really boring. Can't remember if they drew or lost to FC Cincinnati at home. Um, in a they game won. they should have
0: won. I think we're confusing some things here. Uh, there was a Cincinnati game where they lost a lead late the first year. Okay where there well, a was well whatever
2: it was there was a yeah. game in one of one of those early DeBoer games he got booed really loudly and that was the last time I could remember booze like that before what we heard in that game I, I do want to also add one thing that I think was really important to this kind of swell of just um I don't even know what you would call it really just like this frenzy of um things that have been going on with Joseph and Heinze and everything which is the support that he was getting from his former teammates on social <laughs> media, like Michael Parker's, put out something like a heart, you know, of them hugging. Julian Gressel put out a picture of Joseph, kind of with his trophies. Justin Miram put out something, I think, right right at full time of the game. And I think that that stuff is important. Fans really responded to it. I thought it was powerful. I thought it was like a powerful show that, like, you know, its former teammates supporting their guy. Um, and I think that that. Shouldn't I, I just want to make sure that I got a mention too, because I thought that that was kind of part of all of this,
0: and I mean, sometimes people will do stuff like that blindly, but my guess is that they knew a little more maybe than they would be willing to to let on in public. I think they they probably knew that a little more was going on than just a, a common fight between mm-hmm. manager and player, mm-hmm. which again says a lot. It mm-hmm. says a lot. Um, I, I think we can say this. Um, sometime kind of after the game, I think we saw a few folks kind of start to hint publicly that that something was gonna go down. Like Matt Doyle tweeted, like, I expect big news out of Atlanta on Sunday. Um, it's indications were were starting to build up that something drastic might happen. And it did right around Sunday. Um, I was Shocked. Of course, that was before we knew kind of everything. But what made it even more shocking was that Gabby had that press conference after the game where he said, Yeah, me and Joseph are good. He'll be back with a team Sunday. And so I went, you know, like I I think maybe they're good. Maybe this is I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought the same thing. Like, is anything actually (laughs) gonna happen now? And then of course they went ahead and and pulled the trigger. And now we know a little bit more about why, but I wanted to get y'all's kind of reaction uh, to the news in general.
1: Yeah, I think going back to the press conference, what was eye-opening to me when you talk about the whole Kubo Torres thing is how I don't know, nonchalant he seemed about the whole thing, talking about don't blame Kubo, maybe I'm just a bad manager. He was putting all these, you know, subliminal hints in there, like maybe he he maybe he knew it was his last press conference, but maybe he didn't. I don't know. It's just it was a whole I was I don't want to go too far under the curtain here, but me, I mean I think all of us had indications that maybe there was a chance he might get the the sack right after the game. Mm -hmm. And then when we go into that press conference and I don't know, he he says the Joseph thing, he's talking about how he's a bad manager and well, we were just thrown for a loop, like I had Mm -hmm. no idea what to think after that. (laughs) Like I I was scared to write anything just because I didn't know what was going to happen. It was just, I, I was, my mind was so boggled because the way he handled that press conference was so weird. Like he's never been that open, but he's never been that cryptic either. So it was just very weird.
2: Yeah. I'm with Rob. I was like, I was dumbfounded by the press conference because I was expecting something completely different. Um, and yeah, I think like, like for a second, I thought that actually like, none of this was going to transpire. Like I thought it was actually going to be like, Oh, okay. Well maybe he actually did Like you know, there was a long wait before he, uh, that we had before he came to the, to the podium. And I thought that maybe after what he said, I thought maybe he had a conversation with, uh, Carlos or Darren or both or somebody, um, about this Joseph situation, or maybe even Joseph himself. And like, you know, maybe they like had a conversation that was actually kind of, smoothing everything over. And, you know, and that's why he came out and said what he said about Joseph uh, going to be rejoining the team in training. So yeah, I was confused too. And honestly I didn't know whether what was going to happen. I I kind of like Rob, I, I kind of went into it thinking that it probably was going to end up being his last game. But then afterwards I thought hey, maybe they'll, maybe they'll patch things up. I was like, when I got in the car, <laughs> I turned on 929 and you know, they were just kind of recapping it. They had just gotten done. And, um, yeah, I was completely confused. I thought it was still, we might
0: be smooth sailing at that point. So on top of that, on Sunday morning, a rumor came across that like Tiago Amada yeah, was, yeah. Um, was maybe on his way to Atlanta. <laughs> and I don't think that really held any weight and especially doesn't now. Right. A former right. Heinze player, of course. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so that would have been, that was also equally like, wait, what, why would that be happening if, if he's gone and it just, You know, you know, what's funny that I just thought of now, which is um,
2: (laughs) like, if you had played for Heinz in the past, why would you want to follow him anywhere else? (laughs) Like, like, Mm -hmm.
0: I I want to come play for Atlanta and not drink water. Well, uh, to add to kind of our understanding of that experience, there have been tweets from blue check marks that indicate that players at Bellas ended up with eating disorders. After being put through the rigors of not only test of their weight, test their fitness and everything like that, but also having their diet very strictly controlled, which, you know, that's obviously not healthy. Like if your goal is to be healthy, you know, you don't end up with an eating disorder. I mean, you you may, but like it's not (laughs) a positive thing to have, right. You know, it's weird that someone would push someone to do something so antithetical to what they're trying to, to actually do, you know, and it's just disconcerting and, and you wonder, it makes it even weirder that, that Lady United has not quit on this dude. You know, it never seemed like the players were about to get blasted like Toronto did under Chris Armas, you know, with the 7-1 in DC. It never seemed like that, yeah. which is fascinating to me, but they did seem dead all the time. They seemed flatlined, you know, they were trying, I, I, but they were never good.
2: I asked Alec can a question in the press conference after Saturday. And I think that what he said there sp- speaks a lot to the reasons why that this team didn't quit, which is, you know, he's like, we're playing for our jobs, you know? So like, cause I think I'd asked him about like, how was it difficult to kind of tune out all this stuff, all this noise or whatever. And he's like, listen, like we're going out, when we go out there to play, you know, our jobs are on the line. We're trying to get new contracts. We're trying to like, you know, keep ourselves alive here individually. And so I think that that contributes a lot to, you know, kind of keeping the intensity um, and trying to impress the coach as much as you want, you know, and especially for a young player, I could totally see like, yeah, maybe it is miserable. Maybe it, you don't particularly enjoy it, but if you can get in as good graces and start playing every week, then that's going to be good for your career. And maybe held, and maybe you could like, you know, find a move after the season or whatever uh but at least you're getting playing time and getting exposure so um but I definitely give credit to just like the individuals on the team for continuing to to play really hard because you're right they could have totally given up and I to, and I think that like if it were more of like a Frank DeBoer style um person in the chair in like the manager's chair and they had a similar kind of beef, not necessarily with regards to fitness or water or whatever, but if there was some similar type of um, like uncomfortability with the manager, I think they probably would have quit, but just because he's like that kind of person, like that, they maybe would have wanted to quit on more. I don't know if that makes Mm -hmm. sense at all, but I think that like, um, you know, maybe there's something about Heinze's personality there as well, but. Um, yeah, I mean, credit to the players for, for not giving up. But I, I definitely think that, you know, I've I've heard yeah, there's been some good conversation going on in the uh, Five Stripe Final Discord, by the way, which you can join if you uh, join us <laughs> on Patreon at patreon.com slash Five Stripe Final. How about that plug? Good plug. Um, but we've been talking a lot about this over the last 24 hours. And I think his first time caller has been talking about, you know, like this team didn't, yeah, this team didn't quit. And, um, you know, and and there's also this notion that even if things aren't great with the manager, you can, you can kind of get past this stuff if you're winning. And it's just like really hard to actually, I think it's kind of like a false premise because it's really hard to develop the winning culture. If you don't have the buy-in first, you know, it's kind of like Mm -hmm. um, one follows the other. So anyway, but it's been very interesting to kind of just see all of this unfold and see these dynamics with the team and the manager and how they interact and all this stuff kind of unfold in front of us.
0: I think what's going to get confused is that people are going to look towards the MLSPA grievance that got filed with Gabby and be like, Oh, well, Tata had three of these and he won. So it was okay. Tata had three of those and treated everyone well, you know, yeah. Tata had three of those and everyone liked him. Everyone respected him and no one was trying to mostly actively fight him (laughs) quite like Joseph did. So I don't know. I don't want that to get kind of misconstrued with really, all this.
1: I really wish we had more context on the whole Joseph situation. Like mm-hmm. what everyone was so focused on Joseph and maybe him, you know, being a prima donna or an ego maniac or whatever. I mean, I've seen some people bring it up on Twitter that maybe, you know, he was the hero in all this. Maybe he stood up to her and maybe, you know, he put his neck on the line for his teammates. I wish we could confirm that. Cause you know, if he, if he actually did do that and then, you know, he, you know, was it the one to speak out on all this and got in trouble for it? Like, I mean, that's a pretty freaking you know, selfless thing to do because he didn't have to do that. I mean, I wish we could confirm that, but you know, with this team, it, it might not never get confirmed. So who knows? He may have just been
0: acting out of self-preservation. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You know? Like, I mean, coming off an ACL injury and having apparently the, the two a day trainings and everything like that to the point where you do have to file that MSPA grievance, he could have just been like, man, I'm going to break my knee again. <laughs> Did you not? <laughs> and then being Joseph and him being Gabby, I'm sure it went from there. I mean, that's kind of, that's one theory for sure.
1: We're just going to have to wait for Felipe story in a couple of years to finally learn the truth. <laughs> well, man, it, that may come out this tonight.
2: tonight honestly. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think it might, if I could throw out another theory, you know, we've now heard so much about the dieting. We haven't heard anything specifically about the dieting as it relates to Atlanta United players, but we have, you know, we, I've started seeing some of that in his past, but Lenny and I stuff has been more water focused.
1: <laughs> anyway. I, do remember, I do remember one thing where Barco said that he gave him his own diet. I remember him. That's right. Barco got a personal chef. That.
0: Yeah. Which again, uh, isn't a bad thing if you do it like a normal human, you know, <laughs> right. don't try to break someone psychologically to the point of having an eating disorder.
2: Yeah. And I wonder if, you know, Joseph goes to Coba America and he pot test positive for COVID and he's, he's stuck in a room. And I wonder if he came back. Overweight and that pissed off Heinze Potentially, it's a theory. It's Where'd a theory. I like that theory. <laughs> that um, it's interesting. I've actually just been going back and kind of. Ah, uh, now now that all this is kind of at the forefront, I, I actually went back and was checking out my Mauricio Pochettino's book. Uh, it's called Brave New Worlds, an autobiography. Um, and. Uh, you know he's a BLCista too. He uh, again comes from Bielsa. I actually shared a, a little passage in the Discord about uh, Bielsa just like raking him over the coals after he won Defender of the Year <laughs> in like one of his first years in in uh, La Liga. Um, but you know, like fitness has always been important for those guys, and obviously it's soccer. Like fitness is an important part of the sport. You know, it's an important for every coach, I'm sure. But like I know there's a passage in there where he was not going to play Harry Kane until he got below a certain percentage of body fat. Like it was like very specific. Um, you know, so there are these things. Kind I of, I wonder, I'm just kind of curious. I'm just kind of speaking out loud here and wondering out loud, but I'm just like wondering if it's like a Bielsa thing and his disciples are just like very, very, maybe overly concerned with this, uh, this fitness aspect and, and weight and all that. And, you know, Joseph's always been one of those characters who's kind of, you know you just you let him go a little bit and he he, you know what w- plays his way into shape whatever you want to say you know he's not, not that he's ever been unfit for sure but he's just definitely just kind of like a different kind of athlete
0: i genuinely hope they weren't just using weight to kind of measure that because i mean that can fluctuate so much it's just a yeah. bad measure of, of fitness in general so i mean well, if they and- were doing that then like I mean, there was the story, there was
2: the report um, that it was uh, Heinze would fine his players of a 100 pesos for every 100 grams they were overweight <laughs> when they would weigh every other day.
0: It's a bad way. Grams. He's tennis. weighing that's, people to the gram. That's crazy. That's why, I mean, that's, that's another reason to not drink water is to not carry water weight around. <laughs> you're so right, you are not get exactly.
2: And that's, like, and then, and then you get the eating disorder
0: god man what an awful way to run things and it makes a quote that has kind of come back and surfaced around that we initially kind of dismissed i i I think i did especially because i was like oh it's it's fine guys he's just being you know mistranslation kind of thing all that kind of thing but something to the effect of the day i have to use science rather than my own intuition is the day i quit the sport yeah and so I was like, oh, he just means science in like a, like a broader <laughs> term. And no, I think he like literally meant science.
2: <laughs> he can't quit. He can't quit if he gets fired first for not believing in sports science. And yeah, that's what happened. I mean, Rob, I keep going back to the, the you know, Rob kind of pulled back one of his tweets uh, from March. What was that? Like March 12th or something. Um, with it the quote from Joseph about fighting with Heinze. He's like, yeah, we, We train hard. We fight a lot, or whatever. And I went back and looked at the replies, and people were mainly like, "Oh, nice! Like, better, better than we had last year. Like all that kind of stuff." I think only like a couple people were like, "Uh, what?"
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the question to him was, you know, I was trying to get him to talk about the style of play because he was so critical about it under DeBoer. And then he goes and says, I don't know if we're going to win or lose, but we run a lot and, and we fight a lot. And, and I, you know, obviously I took that to mean as, oh, we got a lot of passion and we fight a lot. Yeah. And maybe he probably meant it literally and we just glossed over it.
0: Yeah. The, the winning good. and losing thing is interesting too, because I think like initially people were kind of like, Oh, no one could have won with this team, which probably is still true you know, that you you need someone truly, truly special to come in and turn this front three into a front three that can actually do anything right now, especially if Cubo is in that front three. But, you know, it, (laughs) you need to like, again, just be a good person. I I, I keep kind of coming back to that. And it sounds so harsh, but it's, it's every indication that we've gotten so far is that that wasn't happening.
2: I like the term you used earlier, emotional intelligence. I think, I mean, I I think that that's spot on, like that. He's just very low, low kind of like self-awareness in terms of how he is coming off to other people and how he clearly makes other people feel. I'm kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt saying that is uh, some sort of lack of awareness instead of intentionality.
0: I'm just not sure he really cares, essentially. Like, Mm. I don't think Frank knew. Mm.
2: Yeah. Which which was the difference.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure which is better. Don't ask me which is better.
2: I want the the thing that I want to go back to the Robs the, that quote that we were talking about earlier about fighting a lot really quickly. I thought what was the most interesting part of that was the date. March, like mid-March or early March. So this has been going on for a long time and even like, you know, according to sources that we've talked to, it's like it seems like from like the first day he was there, it was just a pain um, in everybody's butt. And so, I think for for that reason I think a lot of people were at the club were probably relieved to see the news. Um, not even the player. I'm not even talking about the players. Um, just like, you know, the people we were talking about earlier, the kitchen set, you know, like everybody, I think will just feel like that weight lifted off. I don't know if I, if anybody here has ever had one of those kinds of bosses before, oh, yeah. but like when you have a boss like that, it can just be, even if nothing about your day-to-day job is going to change just to have that, that burden gone can be such a lift and, and kind of lift your mood so hopefully that happens and it and it reflects with the team and everything but it's just wild to see, you know how long this has been going on and how how long these everybody has put up with it until it kind of just got to a breaking point
1: while we're on this quick subject i just have, want to pose a question to both of you real quick just to get your thoughts how long do you think it will be until joseph speaks to the media again after all this
0: Good you question. know i bet soon because yeah. frankly They mentioned it a couple of times and I think they understand that the media presence from from Gabby was not what they wanted, not for a team that aims to be so public and so big. You know, we've had issues with access in the past, but I don't think they ever wanted it to get quite as low as it did, you know, and I I think to some extent, I'm truly hopeful at the very least they understand that transparency is needed right now. Positivity is needed and players like Joseph and only a player like Joseph is one of the guys who can give the fan base some positivity. So that kind of coupled with the fact that, and I don't know how coincidental this is, but it seems like not <laughs> that media got to go back the trading ground today. Mm-hmm. It took a day. Mm-hmm. I don't know
2: if that was policy. It was, it was policy set by Heinze. He did not want, he did not want reporters on the field, you know, on the field Mm -hmm. standing there for B roll. Um, Yeah, that was, uh, I think it was fully intentional. I don't know if it'll continue. I mean, uh, zoom is certainly helpful for a lot of local reporters here and who knows what's Mm -hmm. going to happen with everything, but I can speak as, as somebody who was there today. It was great. I loved being there. Um, It's just so much better to just talk to players in person. Like I, it's really hard to convey why it's important, but it, but it is and it's so much better.
0: And, you know, it's honestly pretty likely that if that had been the case all of this season, which I mean, it couldn't have been because of COVID. But if it was that if it was that all season, maybe this comes out a whole lot earlier or is at least understood a little earlier that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, just getting mm-hmm. that perspective, getting that in person feeling and not having everything be so sterile. Through Zoom and through minimal media interaction, you know, and it's dumb, but like little things like the moments before the recorders are on matter. They matter in reporting and that kind of transparency matters in reporting. And it's how, you know, you, you don't have to wait 13 games before people realize that something is wrong and maybe those issues can get worked out sooner. You know, and maybe not come all at once in an avalanche of information that makes you, frankly, look very unprofessional and very negative and very, frankly, and incompetent to an extent, Mm -hmm. you know, which I mean, to be fair, I understand the timeline a little bit, right? Like the the water thing happens in preseason. And when you have someone abrasive like that, like you're like, okay, maybe at first, maybe I can talk to them, maybe this can work out. And so as it kind of goes on, and that abrasive person keeps pushing the limits of what is allowed and you keep having to talk to them, it builds up over time and you get to today. So I understand the timeline. And I think people who are like, why wasn't he fired forever ago? Um are maybe a little off base there. But you know, I, I it doesn't mean that right now is is better because of that.
2: Yeah. 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 You talk about the little moments. Yeah. It's like, you know. Anton kind of shook Doug's hand and gave me a fist bump. And it's just like, you know, it's like those little things where it's, and it's not like I'm trying to like buddy buddy with players or anything like that, but it's just, yes, yeah, a little bit of human connection. Just being there. Um, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Uh, Doug was asking everybody about the water issue. I think it was Brooks Lennon who said, uh, he was like, I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> and so, uh, I kind of take that as a, yeah, confer- confirmation. Not that I don't think anybody's assuming that it's not, but yeah. Well, it was nice to be there today.
0: It's not only better for us, it's better for the fans. It's better for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. And again, for a team that needs some PR positives, you know, I think allowing Joseph to kind of address things and talk soon and continue to talk and everything like that will will make this feel a little better. It's weird. I've had a couple of people mention that they're optimistic now. I think, I guess it comes with any change, but do you all have similar kind of feelings?
2: I am. I, I'm optimistic, especially particularly about this next game on Wednesday. I think that, um, you know, I think they're probably getting rested a little bit more, probably not going as intense maybe as they would normally because uh, the, the club knows how hard these guys have been pushed. And I wonder if that's going to manifest in a little bit more energy on the field or energy that lasts longer. I always feel like this team comes out the gates looking pretty lively and everything but they have always seem to fade in those in those last 30 minutes of games so i think that they'll be able to they'll you know do well in that respect and i think obviously having joseph back is going to be such a big lift for them as well and i was going to say by the way i think if they win joseph it definitely speaks after the game um yeah,
1: yeah i think i think this match will tell us a lot actually because like i know it's only going to be you know two days under a new manager but you know we got jo- Joseph is going to be back is going to be back we should be able to field a, you know, a pretty strong lineup, and we're facing a team that just gave up like 175 goals in one game against, you know, whoever they played. So it's it's a game ripe for the picking, and hopefully, you know, the, the, they show that they have their spirits lifted and playing hard, and we get a decent result.
2: And everybody was in training today outside of Emerson Hyman, Mo Adams, and Franco Ibarra. So I think that they should have a pretty full squad like Jurgen Dan, Mateus Rosetto were participating in everything just like everybody else. So I would assume those guys are 100%. Now, whether a, particularly a guy like Rosetto is actually good enough to to crack the, the, the matchday squad, uh, is another question, but I think that this team should be, it's probably the healthiest they've been in a while and, uh, kind of just fresh because of the suspensions and, and whatnot. So I, I'm, I'm hopeful for a good display and Cincinnati just gave up five goals to, uh, to Montreal. So I think that there are going to be opportunities to score some goals at least, which will be, uh, an exciting, an exciting moment for this fan base who has not seen many goals at the back of the net this season.
0: One last thing kind of here before we get to the questions, Joe, you kind of mentioned them just kind of looking fresher and sharper. And that may just simply come down to getting a a little bit of a break, like you kind of mentioned, which is basic sports science. You have to (laughs) recover (laughs) when you do a lot of things, you have to recover so your body can actually work and progress and have that progressive overload that lets you increase what you're doing and get better at it. If you just flatline the entire time, you may eventually Get better, but it's not the right way to do it. Which, for someone who is so obsessed apparently with winning, I don't understand why you wouldn't just do the damn thing the right way. Why are you the guy in the gym who's like, Yeah, I'm doing 20 reps of 40 today, you know? And like everyone thinks you're insane while they're over there doing four by four and then like actually making results because they go home and rest, you know, (laughs) and do things the right way. It doesn't make any sense to me. What does make sense to me is that we have a short break coming up right now
2: and before we get back into the show did just want to shout out once again our partners at lucid fc for bringing you this episode of five stripe final they've got a new shop out uh, in buckhead it's right behind the whole foods there Uh, the address is 3209 paces ferry place northwest if you want to write that down or google it or whatever but i cannot wait to see what they get done there because i think that that shop is going to be um, experiential to say the least these guys are really creative and uh, i think that it will be more than just a A place to sell clothes so that would be really cool but you can obviously also order from them online at lucidfc.us they've got their new spring summer 2021 collection out now uh, which you can buy right now online called this is a modern world it's really cool stuff the collection brings nostalgic psychedelic party nights of the past to the new modern lifestyle uh i've checked it out on on their shop it looks really cool the products on this line will be sold exclusively to directly to you on the Lucid FC website. That's where you get it. Uh, they've got unisex sizes from extra small to extra, extra large. And the uh, price points from $8 to $380. So there's something in there for everybody. Uh, and it has just launched, and it's really cool. Definitely would recommend everybody go check out uh, lucidfc.us and maybe pick up yourself some, uh,
0: some Modern World clothes. It's like you Google it. You just Google it, <laughs> and that's how I, like you understand that
2: you need rest. Well, it's weird because for a guy who played, you would think that he would understand like what is like wh- like how, when was how he playing get- the best? When was he feeling the best as a player? It was probably yeah. when he was you know getting certain
0: amounts of rest. And, and how like are you going to do it and still look like you don't know what you're doing? Like, yeah. It blows my mind. It blows my mind. Okay. What a break. What an amazing break. What an awesome break. The best break. I'm mad now. I'm I'm (laughs) upset. I just, I just don't like that people, I don't like that people get paid to be bad at things. That is my thought. And that may be me. That may be me as a writer and as a person, but you know what? I'm allowed to be angry when it happens for other people too, just for the, the sake of humanity. You guys had a lot. Of questions. We're going to get through them as best we can. I get a long episode here today. This first one comes from Robot Anger, who says, Not specific question. Just want to say I'm excited to finally have a window to the day to day training at the pitch again. How was the mood? Did it feel like a ghost town with so many staff and injured players missing? Anything else that changed in the year plus you guys away? How did it feel to see players in person again? I was dealing with the five stripe fine dogs uh, separation anxiety, which is going to be fun to work out. Joe Patrick, you were there. Can you tell the folks how it was to be back at training?
2: Yeah, I've already talked about it a little bit, but um, it was great. You know, honestly, I was surprised there was more TV people there than I was thinking. But obviously, when it surrounds such a big, you know, news story with this firing, it makes sense that they would they would come. Um, But it was fun. It was fun to see them. Uh, It was actually a pretty big scrum. Lots of cameras, kind of like like old times in that respect. But uh, it was interesting because it was gloomy, you know, super overcast. And then it started raining a little bit later on. Um, which I think was kind of fitting of the kind of spirit of the place, but me personally, I was loving it because it was just, it felt like back to normal. You know, I hadn't been there since talking to Frank DeBoer before the team was about to board the flight to go down to Mexico city to play club America and him talking about how the team had no infections. (laughs) And, um, he was like, yeah, talking about COVID and stuff. It's like, no, we're not scared of it. Um, So, yeah, it was it was kind of surreal in that sense, but it was good. Uh, Carlos Bocanegra was there, saw him kind of overlooking the team from there's like a balcony outside the back that faces the training pitches. And he was just out there by himself, just kind of watching over everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can kind of. Paint a picture in your mind about how how that looked (laughs) Um, Uh and uh, the team was fine. Like, you know, it's just pretty much the same old training, you know, and they were just mm-hmm. out there and doing their work. And, um, yeah.
0: That's well, I, awesome. I do want to read this quote from Brooks Linden real quick. He said training was great the day guys came out with extra energy to show the new coaching staff that they want to be out on the field. A new manager opens up competition in the group to show that they deserve to be on the field. So at least that's positive. You know, that it's, it's a small thing, but you know, the, the new manager bump is technically real, you know, I think the the statisticians will tell you it's just a, a normal regression of the mean because when do you fire a coach? You fire a coach at the low point. Mm-hmm. What happens at low points? It's a low point because you go up the next time out, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll see if it is a long-term thing over time as well, which I, I guess it could be. I guess it could be. We'll find out. Move on to this question from B You asked, do we know any specifics that led to this front office spat with Joseph was the reason, but what else could have happened to get to this point, so any specific things? I think right now we know about the water. We know about the general treatment of people. We know about the Joseph spat, uh, sort of. To this point, is there anything else that we kind of need to kind of plug in here? Is is one of the reasons that they decided to make this decision now?
1: Awful person, human being. I don't know. That's about <laughs> yeah, it. I'm, I'm trying to.
2: I'm trying to think. I mean, Rob knows just as much as I do, if not more. So, I mean.
1: I can just say I can just say that from what I've heard, he made life miserable for almost everyone at the club, which is right. Honestly, impressive for only being there for eight months. Eight months and so many people. You know, that's, we were saying like, do,
2: right? It it ta- yeah, exa- like seriously, we said like it takes work to like <laughs> have like the kitchen staff not like you. You know, they're they're like very simple, decent things that you sh- that humans should be able to do um, to treat mm-hmm. people well. And
0: you know who's vindicated in all this, which is very funny to me. Who? Jim Curtin.
2: Oh, yes. That's right. That is so <laughs> funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim Curtin for like union or awesome. He told us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he
0: and it's so funny that it was the union in particular, because I can't think of a better front office culture and organization right mm-hmm. now off the top of my head than the Philadelphia Union. And if I am in a position of power you know, and want to really change things around Atlanta, I go hire literally everyone. I back the Arthur Blank money truck up, fly the money plane to Philadelphia, whatever I have to do, take the money yacht down the Delaware River and get this done. I get everyone there because that is a culture that, you know, actually works. It, it shows what can, you can actually build when you have a culture that works, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. funny that it was Curtain, but it seems that, that he was right on this one. Uh, Allison asked, how much was this a business decision? That's a good question. The attendance was down already, but Joseph sells tickets, especially when it comes to the casuals. And I already mentioned it, but attendance was very low on Saturday. They said gate was like 42. No, they didn't say gate. They said tickets sold was like 42 something, but gate was probably like 30
2: I I heard that it was under 28 or somewhere around 28. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, granted, what i would consider a full stadium probably isn't actually 42 either you know through the gates it's probably something less than that but mm-hmm. still i mean that is not good and those are the kinds of numbers that are going to speak louder than anything to the front office and and the business people there neals in particular so uh, i think that it definitely was a business a business decision it was a sporting decision too but it definitely i mean i think that there was definite you know um impacts on the business from the way that Gabriel Heinze was, was treating the squad and, and in particular Joseph, you know, you can't have mm-hmm. your top player, the guy who was, you know, we've been talking a lot about, well, I've been saying, you hearing, hearing the word face of the franchise and I like consider Joseph more than that. He's like, he is the brand. Like the whole brand is styled around him, the King mm-hmm. stuff, the, you know, all of that um, is Joseph and to keep him out of the squad, it, to me, it's an untenable situation. It immediately becomes
0: untenable. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of put this in context, I always laugh when I drive by. I don't know the name of the the restaurant in Little Five Points, but they have murals over the door and it is Neek, it is Hank Aaron, and it is Joseph Martinez, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And that just kind of goes to show like uh, what, what this means to the city, you know, and what he means to this city. And so, again, I think if anyone is saying that this wasn't the final straw, you know, I think they're maybe being either not disingenuous, but, but having to, to be kind of not as forthright as maybe they would be candidly, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, uh, <laughs> man, he picked the wrong person to go after. He
2: didn't. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we've covered like a lot of the stuff that he, you know, the indiscretions and things that have happened over his, the course of his tenure, but, You know, when you start when you do pick that fight with that kind of a player of Joseph's stature, that's really when the club has to decide which direction it's going to go. You know, it creates that pivot point where you have to go one way or the other. And the club, it it puts the club in a tough situation right there, too, because then when you're if you do, you know, decide to part with the manager as they did, you have to try to obscure the fact that you've had to make this decision where this happened, this, this altercation happened or this kind of um, feud happened with the manager and your star player. And you're going out to hire a manager to replace the guy uh, because you sided with the star player. So, and I, I don't think it's actually that simple. I think it's clearly a lot more complicated and there are many reasons beyond that, that he was actually fired for. Um, But that is going to be something that kind of lingers around all of this and uh, just puts
0: the club in a bad spot. What's weird about it to me. And we kind of go back to access is that no one would have known. I mean, he didn't Mm -hmm. have to tell us. Yep. And it's such a weird... He could have just lied. He could have could just have. lied. Absolutely, he could have lied. And Joseph could have been back Sunday, and it'd been like, oh, it was a fitness thing, and no one would have known until the Felipe article came out <laughs> two years from now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's a it was a weird choice at the time. I bet he regrets it now. I bet maybe he regrets a few things. But, yeah, no. strange, self-inflicted wound, and you know, it's something that may have been noticed if media was at the training grounds, you know, that, oh, hey, where's Joseph? He's mm. way over there on the the training field, why? Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we'll move on to this. And one more kind of Joseph question here. Jason says, it had been reported that Joseph told the front office this would be his last season in Atlanta. Assuming that's accurate, do you think it's more likely that he backs off of that with Heinzi out, or that he's probably still gone if the season finishes as poorly as last year? My understanding and my kind of interpretation of that piece of reporting was that it kind of sounded like something Joseph said in anger which I mean, how shocking is that, right? That Joseph would say something in anger, you know, but it was something that wasn't quite as definite. I don't think as maybe some folks might've thought it was, it was kind of a, it it, it turned into a Highlander thing, right? Like there could only be one. And that was (laughs) between Joseph and Heinz. And now that's been resolved. Now, this is a guy that two years ago when he signed a five-year extension said, this is my Real Madrid. This is my Barcelona. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going anywhere. That's my yeah. thought.
2: Yeah. I, I I agree. I don't know. Um, I don't have any information that he he said that out of anger, but I could totally see something like that. I don't I don't think he would, it was some formal thing uh where he like penned a letter or something to the front office, you know. <laughs> <Dearest> say, <Darren. laughs> yeah, with a feather and his quill and ink, yeah. Um but yeah, I think that that situation will resolve itself, and uh, he will still be around. Thankfully, I I hope I'm right. Um, but you never know. You never know with these situations. You never. Maybe both of them will end up being gone after a year. Who knows? But uh, I tend to think that he will still be around, and whoever is the, going to be the next manager is will will love to have Joseph Martinez in the squad every week.
1: He literally, he literally just had hundreds of thousands of people ready to drop everything and carry yeah. hands out of the city. <laughs> I just can't envision him, envision him wanting to go to another club and wanting having to prove himself again and doing all this stuff. I just can't see him at any other club, honestly.
2: Well, and and he has way more value to Atlanta United than he would have to any other club in the world. So there's also that, and Atlanta will take that into account. Like there's not going to be, going to be a club that ever ponies up the amount of money. Um, in a transfer that makes it worth it for Atlanta United, you know, that, that matches the value that they place on Joseph Martinez as the brand or face of the club or whatever it is. So yeah, it's, it's hard to really see it working just financially speaking uh, for him to go elsewhere. I think the question will be when his contract does event inevitably start to wind down, like, will he sign a new one? Um, and if not, then it becomes, then it becomes an issue, but until then I'm not worried about it.
0: All right. I think we've kind of hit on everything we kind of can with what and who Gabby was and is and kind of what Joseph means to the team and everything like that. But kind of tucked away in all of this as the news kind of continues to swirl and maybe not tucked away. Maybe tucked away is a bad word because some people are very, very fired up about this and probably will continue to be. Honestly, the front office is is clearly under a lot of scrutiny. Now more than ever, which is shocking, considering that it's already been a rough year, considering the article that came out from Felipe considering that Paul McDonough had to leave considering all these things that have happened with the team and with a roster that frankly, isn't good enough. So this question comes from Philip. And I think it's fair. He says, When should we start trusting the front office again? Right now, I feel like nothing. in past several years has given us the ability to trust them. Uh, and I think that's especially considering that now they have to hire Another manager. This is what uh, the third one in the last. Uh, well, the second one, I guess, in the last few years, but their third one after Tata after mm-hmm. this, and they haven't done the other two. Can we trust them?
1: Well, personally, like, I feel I just don't see any scenario where Bocanegra lasts past this season. Like, oh. it's just too much history, too many mistakes in player uh, acquisition once his contract is up they're going to let him walk. Um I could be wrong, you know, I don't know any inside of info or anything, but that's just my gut feeling. Uh as far as Darren goes, um for me it's just hard to see a future without him in the short term. Um a lot of it's going to ride on this managerial hire and how the rest of the season goes though. Like if, you know, if they get the hire wrong or they don't make a hire or whatever and the season goes up in flames and, you know, they finish 11th, 12th and there's, you know, 15,000 people in the stands, it could get really rough, but you know, if they hire a solid manager and everything turns around and they make the playoffs, I mean, I just think Darren's here for, you know, at least, you know, a few more years, I don't, uh, obviously they, are going to take a lot of heat right now and it is their it is mainly their fault i mean they made the decision um ultimately it falls on them but i think i don't want to you know i don't want to come across as being apologetic towards them but they do deserve a little bit of credit for pulling the trigger when they did they didn't have to i mean obviously all the stuff coming out it kind of feels like they did have to but they've twice now they've they haven't let things linger they pull the trigger really quick and i think they do deserve a little bit of credit in that regard i
2: cosign co-sign everything that rob just said he said it perfectly the only thing i'm going to add is that philip i really like the way that you phrased this question which is when should we start trusting the front office again because i think that right now Hmm. this front office has already lost the trust of philip and a lot of other fans and i would you know i I would say that it's that's the correct correct way to phrase the question and it's up to them to to rebuild that
0: we are just a little over one third into the season and a season in mls so you're gonna say the questions (laughs) that might also (laughs) be true too long one but man this is totally reclaimable still this this should not and i don't think can't and it can't be a punt year again, please don't let it be a punt year. I don't think it has to be. It is so early in the season. And this is not one of those shortened 23 game things where they can't recover. There's 34 games, right? we got 21 games left. That's a whole lot of points on the table. They can continue to rebuild this team and man, are they that far away necessarily? I think we've talked about this a few times, of course, on here, obviously, but you, you, jettison zeke if you can open up a dp spot maybe you get to buy down franco that's two dp spots and you bring in two dp level attackers who actually work i know they haven't hit on a dp in a second but you bring in two dp level attackers that actually work and this team is at least as good as the colorado rapids who were in fourth (laughs) in the western conference at this point there's time there's time and if it doesn't work out in your carlos Bocanegra, like man, you don't have to come back. Go be rich and hot somewhere and just live (laughs) your life as a rich and hot person. I don't understand people who are just like, I got to stay around and be be this. Shout out Frank. Um, (laughs) You want to know how I know this team still has like everything
2: in front of it to play for this year is if you go back to last year, 2020, they went into the final game of the season with a chance to still make the playoffs. If they had won won that game. That's right. I forget it was the Columbus crew they played. In the final yes. game. Mm-hmm. They'd won that game. I think they would have been in. Or or either if they weren't if that didn't guarantee they them getting help. in, they yeah, but I don't think that it like I think the help probably would have ended up coming or or would have been likely to come. Either way, I think you know the team still had a chance uh in the final game of the season, as bad as that team was. Uh so yeah, hell yeah. With four points, you're four points out of a playoff spot right now. Uh, with so much of the season still left to play, there is still everything to play for, and you're still in a transfer window where you can still Adjust this roster. I'm kind of skeptical about how much like bandwidth you still have to like do a lot of the due diligence it takes to get in to make good transfer deals, uh, and that's a whole another conversation. But um, yeah, I mean, this team could still have plenty of success this year. And in MLS, I was making this point last night in the Discord. In MLS, you get the DPS right, you're good. Mm-hmm. And if you can fill, and if you can surround those good DPS with good value players, like players that you draft, players that you bring up through the academy. Then you're great, you know, so like you can turn around very quickly. And I actually do think that Atlanta United has done a really good job in large part, thanks to Carlos Pocanegra and developing that kind of value aspect of the team where you have players coming through the academy and through Atlanta United, too. So if they can nail these DPs, I really think they're a large portion of the way there to being one of the top teams
0: in MLS again. Move on to yep. on this one from uh, go ahead, Rob.
1: I was going to say, yeah, I agree with that. I'm cautiously optimistic that they can turn it around with, you know, they've committed to one starting caliber player and that signing is going to be really important just because we obviously know it has to be an attacking player. And if, you know, they, it it all comes down to production. If they can get a productive player, they have a legit chance to make the playoffs and make this comeback. If the, you know, the vibes are right, the tactics are are sound, there's no reason they can't make the comeback.
0: Which I mean, that may be the better storyline anyway, for the fan base. Like that may just be the one that like brings the most optimism about And It's it's kind of funny to see people already be like, Hey, you know, it's Valentino guy. (laughs) He may may have it. And people did the same thing with Steven glass (laughs) and and all that kind of thing. And I, I I do kind of want to be like, y'all like it, it would be good. Yes. I agree that it would be good, but like, let's not get our our hopes up too high to
1: to that point. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt again, but just on that a uh, topic of fan interaction and like I was really proud of the way they you know stood up for themselves on the Joseph thing and they showed their disapproval but I think now they really need to get behind this team and like you know this team has been through a lot obviously we we didn't know what they would been through until it all came out but they've been through a lot and they really need their support right now so I don't want to be the too rah-rah cheerleader but now's a good time you need to you need to get behind the team because they they have some talent and they have a chance to make the comeback if if they have the, the fan support mm mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. They got to earn it though. They got to earn it. I don't know. I, I understand the frustration. I understand why the value proposition of paying money to see this team and to, to invest in this team is so frustrating right now at this very moment. But again, that could change very quickly. And you throw a decent storyline with some big narrative behind it and some positive media interactions and things like that. This, this could be something, this could be something, but uh, we'll see what Valentino is able to do, which brings us to the sex question from Jacob, who says, I still am curious about what the front office will be able to use as a selling point to lure managers. Is this going to be a repeat of the thrashers? Management refused to get rid of the decision makers who are making the wrong decision. Waddell was the GM, the entire thrashers existence we got a hockey question today y'all <laughs> look
2: at that it's our first hockey reference of it's maybe the, of the, of the show, probably i think we, we may have talked about no, no, Mighty no. Ducks or something.
0: You you're like dumping check thing. that's right that's right yeah yeah i still think as the the dumping press <laughs> oh whatever man. i don't know who cares um but no it's a good question as far as what this team can use to lure managers and i don't think it's really a difficult question to answer because we've already talked about the money truck and the money plane and the money yacht and people will respond to that because when the money is there, not only is the attraction there, the the infrastructure is still there for this team. Let's not act like they're not playing in a billion dollar stadium. Let's not act like the training ground is at one of the best in the league and is frankly, is honestly world-class. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, all of that is still there and there aren't that many pieces that are necessary for this team to be competent to be forward thinking positive there are still options here i think
2: yeah but i uh, but i think that jacob's right that you know it's not maybe the this like shining star and and this kind of um not that it was ever a job that like you know managers were seeking out i'm sure you know atlanta united clearly had to go try to convince people that this was going to be a project worth taking on but I mean, I think clearly they could make the case to people, like especially a guy like Frank DeBoer coming off an MLS championship that, you know, you're coming into the best team in MLS. You're coming into a team that has, again, everything that you mentioned, the infrastructure, all of that. You know, I, I was chatting with Doug on his podcast earlier today, and Doug made a good point saying that, you know, a lot of other MLS teams have these kinds of training facilities too now, you know, like there there's a lot more of these coming up. So it's not quite the advantage maybe that it once was, um, to kind of have these kind of the, the training facilities in particular. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just want to kind of underscore what Jacob said, which is that, you know, it, it it is going to be a more difficult role to fill. But I think that, you know, they're probably aren't going to kind of shoot for the stars in terms of a manager managerial appointment like they have these last couple.
0: You say that until Gabby gets a national team appointment and then like, <laughs> Argentine manager. Yeah, exactly. Everyone (laughs) realizes, wait, no, whatever I do here, I still win. (laughs) What a job. What a job. Ryan McManus asked this. um, I think this is fair. Maybe we should have started with that. Um, Any other preseason predictions you guys want to reevaluate right now? (laughs) (laughs) Like about the contribution of Moreno Lopez? How will the club be seen now by potential hires? Um, I think we've kind of mentioned that we were wrong on this one. It's not the first time go back and listen to the, one of the PT Martinez episodes we did, or I was like, yeah, best player in MLS. As soon as he walks in the door, here we go.
2: <laughs> I think I said this team was going to score 55 goals this year or something like that, or mm-hmm. maybe concede fifty. either way. Definitely was way wrong on both of those as well.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, it's not like we haven't been wrong before, but yeah, you know, I, I think our reasoning was still sound with it, but uh, at, least, at least, at least you
1: didn't have your tweet. Uh, as inspiration for the announcement signing of the horse okay. manager um, and <laughs> right. team <teen> history.
0: Congrats, <laughs> bud. Uh, yeah, thanks. Congrats. Congrats. Um an interesting quote yesterday, uh, by the way, that I don't think we've addressed is um I I think Darren maybe said it first, but you just don't know who a person is until they're in the building. And I think I think we can be given a little bit of a pass as far as that goes, you know, we, we, it's not our job to kind of do the due diligence necessarily on like, what's he like on a, on a Tuesday morning? You know, there's no way we could know that. So (laughs) that's um, my favorite
2: excuse. Not my job, please.
0: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Not my job. (laughs) Not my job. We aren't paid like that. Not, not, not the same way. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think we kind of addressed the, the second part of it is how the club will be seen now by potential hires. And I think most people will still see it as a place where they can be noticed. And obviously, like you can get attention, even if it's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone's paying attention to Gabriel Anze.
2: There probably is the biggest media environment of any MLS uh, fan base or any any MLS club here. I don't know if that makes much of a difference, but there you go.
1: We haven't even talked about the biggest news of the week, and that's the Doug Roberson reports that uh, Frank DeBoer is interested in coming back. <laughs> oh, my He's God. He's open to it. <laughs> so the, the job is still desirable.
0: Frank needs to go work on his acting career a little more. I think that's the move, Frank.
1: Honestly, uh, I was thinking about it today. I was like, I would
2: like the 2019 season. I would kill for that again. Yeah. <laughs> the
0: 2019 roster, at the very least. Uh, yeah, Frank brings true. up a, a, a question here from Jimmy Glenn. Who says MLS coach? Or do we hire an MLS coach? Or do you still try to get a South American coach, or maybe a European coach? Where do we kind of go here? And I've seen this kind of pop up a lot. This idea that you maybe need a guy with MLS experience who understands the league is going to be strange and weird, and have all these different kind of stipulations to thrive in this league at this point. And people bring up the point that a lot of the teams in the top 10 of MLS right now are coached by guys who are some of the longest tenured and who have been around the league and are domestic guys. It's, it's an interesting thought. And there are folks around the league, I think that would somewhat make sense. And and guys who have been in the league before he would make sense, but do y'all have any thoughts in particular on where this person should, should come from?
1: Let let me just say my piece real quick, because I'm officially withdrawing my uh, managerial (laughs) candidate uh, (laughs) application. Um, status i would just want to say that i hope the next coach is very good at high pressing and can you know has a, a willingness to press up high up the field sort of like a jesse marsh type of you know system because i think that's the works best in mls that's all i have to say will leave the floor to you guys
0: wow rob advocated for chris armis right off the
1: bat <laughs>
2: Um, I, I am in the camp that I think that uh, the next manager needs to have MLS experience. And normally I'm not that kind of person who's like, says that like, like a, a potential hire has to have this one um, trait or quality or whatever experience. But I really do think it is important in this case. And I think it's important because of what Rob, something Rob said earlier that I agree with, which is that, you know, I, I just can't see Carlos Bocanegra going on with this team past this year. And I think if that's the case, it makes a whole lot of sense to have a coach in place who can kind of like help uh, just like, it it will just be easier for the front office to, you know, have continuity and to just be able to make the transition into the next era. If, if Carlos Bocanegra does indeed leave, or if they just like add, maybe he doesn't leave, but they could just add somebody who takes over a lot of the responsibilities that have to do with the, the, the first team roster and things like that. So I think it is important.
0: When you are having to rework the roster and as a coach, you can't just walk in and be like, these are the guys. Here we go. Let me just focus on tactics. I have to focus as well on bringing folks in that can be extremely frustrating. We saw that immediately with Gabby and we saw that immediately with the center back search that Lenny United had, had to go through and understanding later that his frustrations were very, very, real and, and serious as far as that goes he, he was upset and darren has mentioned before that he's had to you know explain to to others that no we can't get this guy because he has a certain profile he's not a certain age he doesn't fit this and that and it's it's tough to understand so i think as this team kind of continues reconstructing itself and rebuilding itself the, it does help to understand some of the the infrastructure of mls and how this is all so messed up and how the salary cap limits what you can do because there isn't that frustration, you know, I think like theoretically, like, mm-hmm. if, you know, Gabby was someone who had looked into all of this beforehand. Like he said, he did, he would have come to the conclusion that it was going to be frustrating anyway, but you know, um,
2: that, that's a whole why nother, why that's a whole nother thing. God, how did it, isn't it, did he just like pour over the roster or whatever and not like talk to I, he didn't talk to Top Top, which is shocking. Like you would yeah. think that you would talk to somebody that would have some experience with the league.
0: Anyway, yeah. that's a whole nother stuff. No, he, he said he did that analysis of the team and said, Yeah, I'm on board, which is fascinating to me. Fascinating to me for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think we had a few questions uh, about who. We can get, we'll go to this one. Um, Nick says, which manager that we could potentially hire would give the locker room the best vibes? Would it be bad if that guy is Valentino? And we kind of talked about already, uh, like, don't get your hopes too high on the interim. The interim is always a great story, but he's probably not the guy and not going to be the guy they stick with. Valentino seems like a good guy, from what I understand. Seems like a person who cares about people, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but probably not the guy. I'll, no. I'll throw,
2: out, I'll throw out a name just for the vibes that there would be now that I think that there would be any interests, uh, in coming, uh, Hugo Perez, he's the, El Salvador manager, um, oh, yeah, has long worked with the U S youth team, um, national team. Um, he seems to have like as much or more respect than like any <laughs> coach that <laughs> I've ever heard of. Rob could probably speak to him more than I could uh, definitely, but, um, he's a guy. Um, yeah, there you go.
1: I saw someone on Twitter um, suggest Eric Wynalda and people were actually <laughs> yeah. supporting it. And I almost put my computer
2: in
0: the chest. Silver, Silver, former Silverbacks coach. American Gabby, Eric Wynalda.
1: That would be pure vibes right there.
0: It would be. It would, it would, be, it would be a vibe. It would be a strong vibe for sure. Uh, we'll kind of tie this one into this question from Mark. Just as possible candidates for the job. The only acceptable name I've seen bannered about so far is Dominic me to rent. Who is even available at the moment? And will a hire have to wait until the offseason? My understanding is this is going to happen ASAP. Like the the search has started. They're looking to to do this. Now that I say that, it'll probably take months and all that kind of thing. But my understanding is they want to get this done. Again, two thirds of the season left, guys. I think they said that yesterday as well in the press conference. i right in saying that, that they were going to move pretty quickly with this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm honestly surprised they didn't have a permanent replacement already in mind, like maybe someone that Boca Negro knew from MLS or something like that. But I would, I don't know how many, it's like almost two weeks left in the month. I would be shocked if there wasn't a permanent coach in place by August 1st. Like, I don't want to, I don't have any info on that, but that's just my gut feeling. Like it's going to move quick. They still have to sign a player. And they don't even know, like, you know, what formation they're going to be running, even what kind mm-hmm. of player they're going to need to fit in. So it's going to have to move really quick. And I don't think they're going to rush it too much just because they have to get this right. But I think they're going to just have to make a split decision really quick.
2: I agree. I, executives love to say, like, we need to have X done by the end of the month. So yeah, July 31st, August 1st, I think is the deadline that they're probably shooting for internally. And I think, yeah, I, I'm I'm with Rob. I think that they'll get it done. I mean, I, they're, they're going to have to pick, but I think they know, like, you know, again, I was there at training today and the staff that was taking training was, it was like Rob Valentino as the interim head coach, the Atlanta United two coach, Jack Collison was there. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, there was a, like a couple medical guys that were like, you know, help you know, assisting conducting the training. So like they're a really short staff, <laughs> they need to get an actual coaching staff in their ASAP.
0: Well, what do y'all think of the the Doma to possibility? It is just a name. And we're gonna do that thing where we just throw out some names and be like, yeah, we think so. Again, you, you, like I said, you don't know who they are until they get in the building. Uh, but my understanding from people have interacted with Dome, um, is that like he's pretty good, and the reasons for him leaving NYCFC were a bit overblown. I think people thought it was more about him being frustrated with the infrastructure of MLS. He said that he would like to manage an MLS again. It was more than just um, being frustrated with the management of NYCFC uh, from that perspective, you mm-hmm. know? And we know that because he went to a wine bar with writers of the outfield which is an excellent nycfc blog he just went and hung out with them after the season was over and did an interview with them for three hours you know and so if you're looking for a guy who could maybe interact with fans well too as well as produce winning results which he did at in i think that is maybe an option
2: have an old-fashioned go over the tactics board that's my kind of manager i'm all i'm all on the domain train but again don't ask me my <laughs> I,
0: since since we're like totally we've lost all credibility with these I things. really um, seriously like
2: like especially when it comes to, like dirty south soccer stuff you know like uh, you know we're a blog you, you want to get posts out there that get people talking about various possibilities and things like that but i'm so reticent to like throw out any kind of prediction or even like hope of who i want because what i want does not matter and, and you know
1: yeah, I'm just going to stick to posting uh Jurgen Klinsmann gifts on um Twitter and keep my opinions to myself. I mean, if, if you're asking me, if you're asking Klinsmann me, for the
2: vibes, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like personally, I think Dominic Teron is definitely the most exciting candidate I've heard along with maybe like I don't know, I've heard Frank Lampard and Andre Pirlo thrown out there. Those are mm. kind of interesting, but I really don't have any concrete opinions on any of them.
0: Fine. Let me throw out one more then since y'all are cowards and, and won't do it, I'm gonna throw out one more name, uh, Gonzalo Pineda, longtime assistant, I guess long time. He, he's been with Seattle since 2017 as an assistant working under Brian Schmetzer. And of course, has obviously been a part of those teams that are the best in the league pretty consistently. And so if you were looking for someone who would understand a culture and what it would take to possibly implement that culture, he he could be a guy. And if you're looking for MLS guy, he could be, a guy, he was someone who was interviewed for a couple jobs over this offseason as well. And if you're looking to kind of to keep it within MLS and within a, a less flashy and less uh, Lampard-esque signing, mm-hmm. right? Like that's why those mm-hmm. things don't sound like possibilities to you right now at Lampard, really, just because of the attention. Wouldn't it be nice just to kind of like calm down a little bit and come home to like a nice warm meal and like a family and everything like that. And not have Frank Lambert or Pirlo around just like driving Bentleys into the parking lot with all the media attention that comes with that. I think Atlanta United needs it needs a little bit of peace and quiet and someone like Pineda might, might offer that and also potentially could offer a system uh, that, that wins. So there you go. I'm down I will with say,
1: that. I will say our, our Mexico, Mexico national team related uh, acquisitions haven't filled me with too much hope. So I mean, I don't have too much opinion on that, but hopefully if he does come, it would be a lot better than the L <laughs> tree related signings we've had so far.
0: Mm, and that's fair. Uh, that's fair. Um, speaking of coaching signings that didn't work out, Michael asked, how does this firing change your view of FDB given success in 2019 and poor on-field performance and cultural problems on FDB? Glass and now Gabby, my view on FDB has evolved to flawed manager but not the root cause of Atlanta United's problems. Uh, root cause, I don't know, but definitely a cause it's weird that to me that like all of a sudden their revisionist history has been like, Oh, maybe Frank wasn't that bad. Uh, Frank won with a roster that was spectacular. Frank won with Joseph Martinez putting in 17 goals in a row in each game, you know, Mm -hmm. and Darlington Nagby and Julian Gressel and others who were also very, 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 very good soccer players. I don't know. It's weird to me that he's suddenly getting more credit than he probably deserves.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's weird because, I mean, and we've talked to Michael Parker and Jeff Lorenowitz who have talked about that season going through it. And, um, you know, it's like they did play well. You, you give the team credit for the way that they played down the stretch of that season and, you know, winning the U.S. Open Cup and, and getting as far into MLS Cup playoffs as they did. And honestly, they should have been hosting an MLS cup again. Um, so you got to give the team credit for that. But you know, when we talked to those players, you know, they talked about how I think it was Jeff who specifically was like, you know, there was a point in the season where we realized we didn't have to like do everything exactly the way he like want, like we could like actually had control. We had agency out there of our own actions and, you know, they kind of took that into account and that kind of led to the more aggressive style of play and things like that. So coach,
1: coach, Joseph, coach. Joseph. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, man, the, manager is are. Our, the manager is already here. Just pull the trigger. <laughs>
2: um, so, yeah, I mean, again, like I was joking with Rob earlier, it's like I said, I, like I would kill for 2019 again after going through all this that we've, we've had since, but, um. but no, like it doesn't really change my opinion of Frank. I mean, I think that he was, again, I, he was a flawed manager and, I, don't, I hope the club hires a non-flawed manager personally.
0: All right, we'll move on to this last question here, and we'll kind of combine the sentiment from both Chris and Pierce. Um, should the front office hold off on signing another big-name designated player, U22 player, before hiring a coach and getting their append? We already talked about how this team likely needs to move quickly just because of that, do you think that they can go ahead and make that move without knowing who the manager is going to be. There's only so much time to do it.
1: Yeah. I'm really worried about that. Honestly, like, especially when you consider like what type of manager you're going to bring in. Like even when Hansi was here, we were struggling, we were starting to veer between the four through three and the three, five, two. If you go with the three, five, two, I think you need to bring in a striker. But if you don't, if you can stick with the four three three, you obviously need a winger. So that's a very important uh, decision you need to make, and you can only make that once you decide on the permanent manager. So that's very worrisome. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to rain on people's parades, but I just don't get the sense that they're in the market for a, a big time DP type of player. Like just the, all the language they've used, as in we're looking for a starting caliber player. It makes me think yeah. it might be more in the TAM range. So I wouldn't get my hopes hopes too up about, um, you know, bringing in that DP right now.
2: I agree. And, you know, it's interesting because I think people are also like skeptical of this front office going out and buying a DP. And I am too, frankly, because if you look at, you know, the DPs that have been signed as of recently, in fact, like ever since basically what Joseph Martinez was probably like the last really good one um, that they signed, you know, like there's you know, serious fear about or worry about whether they would even be able to, to go out there and get a guy that would improve the team and that would have a lot of success here. So um, maybe it's the right move to not buy a DP. I don't know, because even saying that makes me think like, you know, no, like we want to obviously win and and win as soon as possible. So I, I'm, I'm conflicted about it. I'm torn, but I'm kind of with Rob that I just don't have the feeling that this team has the bandwidth to be able to, to pull something like that off. You know, like when you're, when you're signing a DP, that's like a high enough profile of a transfer that, you know, you're talking to agents. Like you're, you're, I mean, you're just like doing so much in terms of trying to, you know, negotiate with clubs and, and, and sort out so much stuff. And they've already now got so much on their plate. You know, you're trying to find a manager. I just can't see it happening personally.
1: Hear hear me out for a second. If the team can't buy uh an expensive DP, but they need to add a productive player, maybe a player who's proven it you can do it in MLS. Maybe you go out and trade for a guy like Emil or something like that. I'm just putting it out there.
2: A trade a trade might actually be more appealing. Um, yeah. I I'm I'm I think that makes a lot of sense, honestly.
1: That was, that was not the reaction I was expecting. But okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what you guys weren't expecting Specifically is, for you, this Neil. is rapid fire. Nick asked Joe and Jay, Sam and Rob, are you guys okay? how's it going? Is everyone else. Okay. This has been a lot for all of us. I am very tired. How about you guys?
1: I think all- shell shocked is the, the the appropriate term.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm scatterbrained and tired and going to a Braves game in a couple hours. Marshall asked, when will Joseph officially receive the title of player manager? Uh, he had it in 2019, right? Like, has he really relinquished it?
1: I mean, no. He, he's the king. He's the coach. He's He is Atlanta United, honestly.
2: <laughs> oh, I love it. That would be amazing if they, you know, record breaker. That just, would just be another record-breaking thing to make him the player manager. <laughs>
1: Just know that every time I write uh, "no player is bigger than the club," I'm writing that with my eyes rolled because Joseph is probably bigger than the club.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mark asks, "Why don't we make Parky and Larry dual interim head coach?" Ooh, I like this. Uh, Parky would have to move back from Columbus. Larry would have to quit a, a potentially lucrative broadcasting career. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I don't know if uh, it, it definitely it definitely crossed my mind. Not the, not the dual manager because again, Parky. Is not going to be able to do it, but, uh, you know, it's okay. Larry, for, for Lorena, it's, it's a decent commute. Um, he he, he could make that work, but I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately.
1: I know it's a joke, but I would love to see those guys and guys like Greg Garza come back into the fold, just if that's there's, if there's possible. I'd love to see them come back to the club.
0: I think Greg Garza was working on coaching licenses uh, something to keep in mind speaking of Greg ATL Greg1 asked was the plan to score while the other team took the hydration break that's just funny that's just a, it's not even like yeah that's just a good question that made <laughs> me laugh uh, C Black asked considering the training regime the team has been subjected to do we now have the evidence to support our theory that Brooks Lennon is in fact a robot with some sort of atomic power source And C Black you gotta stop asking these questions you gotta stop you motherfucker
1: that's right. <laughs> I so confused when brooks Lennon said he wouldn't comment about the water situation because like i don't think robots can drink water yeah, in some
0: short circuit yeah oh god uh, never drank tony. water anyway <laughs> so, oil uh tony asked which players grandmas did or would gabby kick apparently like oh, enough man. of them you know remember when we were excited That's about wild being a I, to-
2: I totally forgot about that yeah mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. back when the idea the of drinks. that was fun
1: yeah. From the way it sounded, it sounded like the prerequisite to get your monthly paycheck was to bring your grandma to Heinze so he could kick her. It was, <laughs> it was just
0: wild. Uh, simpler times. Stamper asks, what national team is Heinze inevitably off the coach now? Uh, uh, France. Why not? Let's just aim as high as possible. Mm-hmm. That's just the natural progression of all this, right? No? Nothing?
2: I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, uh, Argentina. He's got to just stick with nationalities,
1: I guess. Does Germany have a coach yet? That would be wild. He is German, actually. I think he's like part Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's right. Um, all these facts
0: we're gonna forget in like year and, and not remember at all that we've all stowed in our brain. Uh, Tata Ibarco's Takabarco asked, "Do you think the fancy plant coffee shop in EAV is a creative and contributive, contributive addition to the neighborhood, or the aw- opening salvo and generalizing Instagramification campaign that will rob the neighborhood of its unique character?" As an <laughs> EAV resident, at first I thought, "Oh no," and then I thought, "My girlfriend's gonna really like that, isn't she?" So I, I think it's probably probably the end of everything. If I had to guess um joseph stadbod asked, what or is true happiness attainable and i think the answer is yes as long as the lady United hires the right manager
2: it is but it's fleeting so that's the that's the
0: Mm, that's deep um allison asked who goes next boca or barco that's a good question Mm,
2: i would say i would still say barco because i still think he goes during this transfer
0: window same.
1: I just, I don't see any way Barco goes. I'm sorry. I don't see anyone. I don't see anyone paying the money. I think it's Boca. Sorry.
0: Chris Herbert asked, do y'all think Gabby has seen the water boy and how furious did it make him?
2: <laughs> I definitely, I definitely thought about the movie, the water boy today. Uh, I'll say that, um, right. Yeah, probably pretty mad. I hope he's seen it. That would be amazing if he had.
0: It's weird because our last coach was Henry Winkler in the Water Boys. Right. And his coach would have hated that movie. <laughs> there you go. At all times <laughs> together. Right. Synchronicity, and that was rapid fire. Any final thoughts before we get out of here?
2: Yeah, I just want to say, um I feel like I've been terrible on this podcast because I'm, again, I kind of put it out there at the top, but I'm just so kind of frazzled. We will have be talking more about this. We're going to talk with Felipe Cardenas uh, hopefully um, later this week, probably after Wednesday's game. Um, So we'll we'll have a game to talk about as well. We'll talk about this a lot more. We'll have content and stuff. So uh, if you were dissatisfied with this one, come back please and um if you want to hear a flippa you would have to do that by signing up at our patreon um it's only like five bucks a month i think for the minimum the bare minimum and you get all the extra the bonus podcast once a week so well worth it well worth it
0: rob anything else
1: through joseph martinez all things are possible all praise to be to him
0: (laughs) perfect ending let's get out of here
1: bye y'all